Some children will find it hard to sleep tomorrow night. They will be waiting, hoping, dreaming of a visit from a very special person. When our children were young, it was our son who was unable to sleep on Christmas Eve. And he would stay awake half the night, most every Christmas. And one Christmas, he stayed awake all night. We had a family gathering the next day, and he slept right through it. <laughs> Ken folks were wanting to greet him and talk to him, and he couldn't stay awake. And then, of course, he got his good sleep during Christmas Day, and so Christmas night he was again awake. I hope that doesn't happen at your house tomorrow night. For those little ones who really understand and accept Santa's coming, their expectancy is born of the knowledge that something will be there on Christmas morning, but at this point they don't know exactly what it will be. And that is the nature of expectancy. Expectancy as opposed to expectation. Expectations are specific. We believe, think that certain things will happen, and if they don't happen, we are surprised and perhaps disappointed. Expectancy, on the other hand, is open-ended. We believe that something significant will happen, and we fully expect that it will be a surprise. Advent is a season of expectancy. It is so because Christmas is coming, we know that, and yet we know there will be some surprises every Christmas. It is so because we know that Christ will come again, and we are prepared to be surprised by His coming. Today we encounter Mary, and she is in a very expectant state. She visits her sister, her, her cousin Elizabeth, and she is expecting a child. Mary has been told and shown in the most intimate way possible that the child will be a son and that he will be a very special person. And that is all she knows. She cannot know, she does not know exactly when, how, or under what circumstances he will be born. She really has no idea what his life will be like. She knows only that he comes with God's promise, and that for her is enough. She is filled with expectancy. Her soul magnifies the Lord. She rejoices in God, her Savior. Mary is, is filled with this holy expectancy. She is confident that her life will matter that she will be remembered. The Lord has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary knows on the one hand that she is but an ordinary woman. Whatever greatness there is in her life is not her own doing. She accepts the fact of her lowliness. She understands that she will only be a woman of renown because the Lord will make it so. 
she will make her contribution to the world in the strength of God's grace. Mary understands that divine favor makes all the difference in who she is and what she is to do. She does not know, cannot know, how all of this will happen. She only knows that it is happening and that it will happen. And that is enough. With the exception of Mary's son, Jesus, Mary is the most extraordinary human ever to live in this world. None of us can ever expect to do what Mary did. Even so, we too can be certain that our lives have great potential. Our greatness is not in ourselves apart from God. We are fools if we do not remember, if we do not know that we are lowly creatures, every one of us. It is the Lord who lifts us. It is the Lord who lifts us to places of influence and significance. And the truth is that God does not want any of us to pass unnoticed, unappreciated, and forgotten. There is for every person a deep dignity in Christ. And the Lord is seeking always to give us this great gift, the great gift of our true selves, the self that is in God's image. That is who we really are. And Christ comes to give us that gift. And because of that, our lives can have substance. We can make a difference. Well, you may be saying to yourself, well, I'm too young to do that. Or maybe in the other extreme, I'm too old to do that. Not so. And Jerry Musman was a sixth grader at Emmerich Elementary School in Purcellville, Virginia. His father was involved in something called Souls for Souls, a charity that collects shoes for those who have none. And Jeremiah heard about this, and he did something about children who didn't have shoes. He said, I didn't even realize that there were people who didn't have shoes. I thought everyone had a pair of shoes. But then I realized that some people are less fortunate, and I just wanted to help. And so this sixth grader organized his school. He involved his classmates. They put up signs. And he and his classmates collected 2,000 pairs of shoes. They lined the entire length of the hall. And he said, I just thought it was amazing that my classmates helped out. And we knew that we were going to make a lot of kids happy. And it made me happy, too. At the other end, I am reminded of a book written by Mother Teresa when she was still living among us. The book was entitled, I Need Souls Like You, not to be confused with the previous souls of the shoes. This book was written to those who suffer chronic pain. 
It was written to those whose lives are debilitated by that pain. And Mother Teresa invited these, what we would consider invalids, to pray. She encouraged them to pray out of the depths of their suffering. She insisted that because of their suffering, they knew better than any others how to pray for the suffering. And so she enlisted them to pray. Her invitation to these who might have thought themselves marginalized reminds us that everyone has something to offer. The greatness of God is given to us in the purest form as a heart and a mind and a spirit formed in the likeness of Jesus. To see others and to treat others as Jesus does, that is salvation. This genuine kindness that we can show to others, regardless of their limitations or our limitations, to act with compassion whenever, wherever, and with whomever we can, if we accept and grow in the love of God, we can see and treat others as Jesus does, no matter if they or we are ninety or nine. And that way of living is never wrong. It is never wasted. And it always makes a difference. It makes a difference because God has so ordered this world. The second great truth that Mary recognizes is this truth, this prophetic truth. You see, Mary is filled with prophetic expectancy. She doesn't know how, when, or where it will happen, but Mary sees that already the Lord has shown strength of his arm. He has scattered the, the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Now, these are not words against wealth per se. They are words against those who live at the expense of others. They are words against competition gone wild. Mary affirms what Israel's prophets have proclaimed for generations, that God's way is not the way of the powerful taking advantage of the powerless. God's way is exactly the opposite. Despite all the evidence to the contrary, human reality is not an affair of red tooth and claw. It is not the strong prospering at the expense of the weak. The true nature of things, the lasting reality, is quite different. Justice, compassion, generosity. Mary knows that these are the qualities that will endure. 
She doesn't know how or when it will be realized. In fact, Mary cannot imagine the cruelty that will mock the promise in her life. Nevertheless, even though her life is filled with great confusion and sorrow, Mary is confident that God will vindicate the vulnerable, that God will lift up the lowly and the downtrodden. She is filled with expectancy of a world that is fairer and more just. She envisions a peace that will far surpass the normal understanding of things. And if we are willing to let down our defenses, if we are willing to open up to the possibility, then Christmas has the capacity to fill us with that same sense of expectancy. It is a daring thing that Mary does. By the grace and the goodness of God and by her own trembling faith, Mary becomes the mother of our Lord and by extension the spiritual mother of us all. She alone is chosen for that great responsibility and that great privilege. Yet because she says yes, we are chosen. We are chosen in and through her Son to become the children of God. We are chosen to be raised from the savagery of a self and a world without God. Christ is born to raise us from the earth. Christ is born to give us second birth. We are chosen in Christ to become like him. We are chosen to become kind and generous and just people who make a difference, who make differences large and small. How we do that is a mystery that is ever being revealed. We do not know. We cannot know. We cannot predict exactly when, where, or how it will happen. We know only that the gift is given. It is given to all of us. And knowing that is enough. That is Christmas expectancy. And if we really receive the gift, if we really appreciate the magnitude of it, then in awe and wonder, we will magnify the Lord and give thanks for our place in his ordering of this world. Praise be to God. In praise of God, let us stand and sing a great Wesley hymn, number 240. Hark the herald angels sing, and let us sing it to the Lord.